Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. You know what today is. Today is Thursday and today is the day we host our weekly Bible study co-hosted by my buddy Dewan Colion who's down in Atlanta. I'm up here in New York and we kind of get our groove on, so to speak, with, uh, with our weekly Bible study. And the, and, and the cool thing about our Bible study is, is that there's no big hats, uh, long skirts, uh, you know, all that stuff typically associated with none of that stuff is, uh, none of that stuff is necessary. We really are here just to, you know, learn about the Lord, learn about what God wants for our life, and really try to implement it. Before we get started um, with today's Bible study, I just want to touch very quickly on a book that I'm reading called The Four Agreements. This book is by Don Miguel Ruiz, and I'm just going to read to you very quickly the concepts and the tenets behind the book, The Four Agreements, because what it speaks on is really, really good information. The Four Agreements just speaks about... um, how the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering. It's based on Toltec wisdom, and the Four Agreements offers really powerful a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives. And it, it's good. I, I started, you know, with it a couple days ago, and uh, it, it, it's just a really, really good read. Again, it's called The Four Agreements. So I'm going to bring Dewan in in a second, um, I, I, you know, so he can come in and, and start up. Uh, he can take a minute and rest his thoughts and really prepare mentally for today's show. But I just want to read to you very quickly um, the tenets of the book, The Four Agreements, by Don Miguel Ruiz. The first one is be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. And use the power of word in, a, in the direction of truth and love. This is powerful because I was watching the TV show The Apprentice not too long ago, and Tion from Tboz, the group TLC, um, was doing really well. And her friend was the project manager and did not do very well. And so her friend, you know, Tboz, just showing her support, said, listen, I'll go into the boardroom with you. So they got into the boardroom, and Donald Trump asked Tion, Tion, what are you doing here? He says, you are winning, you're doing well, you're raising a lot of money. She's like, well, you know, I just wanted to show my support. He said, Tion, you're great, I love you, but you're fired. And he said, never volunteer for your own execution. So I always think of that, like, I'm not putting myself on the chopping block for anything. Just, I'm not doing it, I'm not trying to go down that road. And so that message really resonated with me. The next of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dreams. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. I'm, I'm not taking too much time away from our Bible study. Just want to give Dewan a second to settle and get his thoughts in before he leads us. But uh, th- I'm not going to go into Just get the book, The Four Agreements. I got mine from my local public library, which was free. So turn it back, or you can go to Amazon and get it for probably 5 or 10 bucks. The next of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. Enough said about that. 
don't make assumptions. You know how they say when you make when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. I, I don't know. I've heard that plenty of times. But don't assume. The last is always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment. Well, it says is going to. My size swag says it's gonna. It's going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. I always think of it this way. If you have a little five-year-old kid who ties their shoe, they're so ecstatic that they can just get a bow. Whereas if an adult were to tie their shoe, they want to make sure the laces are flat. They want to make sure the bow is, is impeccable. It's relative. Doing your best is relative based on your own personal capabilities. But in all things, just do your best. And that way you don't have to worry about anybody prejudging you and all that toxic stuff that goes along with it. So on that note, we're going to get this Bible study started about living an unleavened lifestyle. So without further ado, I'm bringing in our host, calling in all the way from the ATL. I feel like I'm introducing him on the Apollo or something. Mr. Dewan Colion, D, are you with us? Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. We are going to get, this is a good Bible. Well, all of them are good, but this one uh, really came out of a conversation that we kind of had really extending from the whole piece with Easter, right? Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, let me just tell everybody a little bit about who you are because I have a lot of new listeners. Um, and everybody doesn't know. So, well, yeah, because I did this to you before. You're like, Shai, you do a better job of introducing me. Dewan is one of my really, really smart friends. I do have a couple of really, really smart friends. He's informally educated and just knows a whole lot about the Bible. And I know that probably doesn't suffice. Uh, so, do tell everybody a little bit about who you are so we can move right on into today's Bible study. Well, I'm just, uh, I guess the best that's relevant for this form is, I'm a former church crackhead, and, you know, I remember one time I said this on, on the show, and a guy addressed me, and he thought I was like a for-real, for-real crackhead, and he was like, you know, it's a really great testimony that you used to be a crackhead, and now you're up here uh, teaching the Word, but it's, it's more of, I'm talking about uh, analogy, church crackhead, I used to be a zombie for church, I used to show up. And, and, and every time the door is open, you know, like a geek monster trying to get the latest, greatest ex, uh, experience that was being offered by the organized religious system, whether it was a storefront church with, like, ten people in there, and they got they, they got ten people in a drum set, and they loud as I don't know what, all the way up to, like, your super big, super dome, astrodome, World Trade Center, just towers of mega church. So that's my experience of 20 years of doing church and kind of led us to be able to get together and form this relationship where we rethink life in, in the context of our re spiritual experience, which is called in this uh, country uh, going to church. So that's what we, we endeavor to do in this hour. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely spot on. And for those of you that have been following um, our weekly Bible study, uh, we're actually uh, attempting, I don't know if it's the right language, you know, with that whole create your own whatever future type thing, but it's our desire to actually hold a face-to-face -face Ecclesia Bible study in Atlanta in August. So I'm very excited about that. Exactly. <laughs> 
like, I'm not speaking on that yet. All right. Oh, my goodness. I'll call you back. I'm on the air. <laughs> Uh-oh. Tell them. I know everybody's been calling me, too, about that Popeye's eight pieces for four ninety nine. They've been telling me I need a herb and get down there. But I'm about to do a show right now. I can't just, you know, stand in line for me. I'm so sorry about that. That was that that was funny. Everybody knows I'm on the air as well. But anyway, let's move right into this Bible study. Big shout out to Curvy Queen who has dialed in um, to the show. I see her number on the switchboard. So hello, my darling. Thank you so much for listening. And big shout out and a big welcome to everybody that's in the chat room. Um, let's jump right into it. Uh, <clears throat> living an unleavened lifestyle. What does that mean, Mr. D? Well, I I believe, you know, it's a continuation of where we were last week when we were talking about, you know, you had to take up your cross. Mm-hmm. We, we, we got into last week explaining that, you know, coming off of the quote-unquote resurrection uh, weekend, resurrection Sunday weekend, it was all about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and him ascending to his position to at the right hand of the Father, and that in turn, by him resurrecting, it allowed a whole new group of people, us, the Gentiles, to move into a position of priesthood, kings and priests, so that we would no longer have to go through a man or a man-made system or have to have a Levitical priesthood or have somebody mediate between us and God. He made the way for us to do that. So when we talked last week about carrying our cross, now that we are accepted or adopted sons grafted into the true vine, which Christ is the true vine, the tree, we're supposed to bear fruit. And the only way that we're going to bear fruit, as we studied last week, John chapter 15, is that we have to be pruned, we have to be cleansed, we have to be purged. We literally have to die because the cross itself is an instrument of death. Inherent in carrying a cross, that means, you know, you're going to have to die. No different than somebody sitting on death row. They say, if someone told you you got to carry your electric chair, well, that would mean you would know that, you know, at some point you're going to have to die in order to fully manifest, you know, fulfill the sentence that was placed on you. So in our case, as believers, uh, Christians, a part of the Ecclesia Congregation Assembly, we we must recognize that it's just not enough about going down front, getting saved, and and, hey, my name is written on heaven, I'm going to get me a mansion, and I'm not going to burn up and all these things. And we feel like, you know, we just sit there for 30 years in a quote-unquote church and wait for the blessings to come and wait, let our man of God tell us how we can be blessed. But no, I mean, immediately, once you walk into salvation, it's, it's very important that we realize that we have to carry our cross and die to ourselves our wills, our desires, um, because it's, it's a twofold process. Yes, you you recognize that you are saved, but at the same time, Christ is not just, Jesus is not just a Messiah, but he's also a king, so therefore you're going to have to submit to his headship. And the way that, only way you're going to be able to do that is to carry your, your cross, die to yourself, and be resurrected as a new creature in him. So we move into this week where... Basically, a great analogy is an unleavened lifestyle. And if you got a, you got your Bible, or, your, or as they say in the old Baptist church, your swords, 
If you could read a, a parable, uh, Matthew 13, I believe, is verse 33. Hold on one second, because y'all know I use my husband um, Lamb's Aramaic translation of the Bible because that NIV version, I had it's the woman's Bible that's pink, had a whole verse missing two weeks ago, and I talk about it every week because we still need to use our gift of discernment even when reading the Bible. So, uh, you know, that's how that goes. But anyway, I'm reading Matthew 13 to 1. Matthew 13, verse 33 is a parable. All right, let me put that in the chat room. Matthew 13, 33. Okay, sorry. Um, all right. Matthew 13, 33. He took just that one verse, right? Yes, <laughs> okay. yes. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and buried in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, that parable right there has always been misinterpreted because people, when, when, when he told the story, people think, okay, he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Mm -hmm. And the lady, she hid three uh, pieces of, of, of flour or leaven in the whole lump, and in, and in turn, by the time it was done, the whole entire lump was full of leaven, correct? Mm -hmm. And most people think that means, oh, well, the kingdom of heaven starts off small, like, you know, pieces of leaven, and then by the end of the age, it, it, it's a great big revival, and it's taken over the world, and it's big, and glory to, glory to God, hallelujah, revival. <laughs> but... As we do on this show, you have to look at every parable, every you know scripture um, from the perspective of the storyteller in context of those who were hearing the story. And we know in this particular case, you know, Christ, you know, Jesus was talking to Jewish people. He was telling a parable, a story, an analogy that they could relate to. And you know, you know, for those who don't. No, leaven is, I guess, what's used to be similar to yeast, what we use to make, you know, the nice white wonder bread. Because naturally, if you guys are familiar with the Jewish holidays of Passover, they use matzah bread. It's very flat. It's thin. It's striped. I mean, it's not all pretty like wonder bread, you know, nice, pretty, wonder puffed bread up. Wonder bread is actually very bad for you. It's like all... I know. It's just like leaven, isn't it? <laughs> no pun intended, but absolutely. So, in, you know, the, every, in every case in the Bible when, you know, when the word leaven was used, it always had a negative connotation. It always related to sin. It related to idolatry, ego, um, the flesh manif manifesting itself. So when you break down this particular parable, the fact that this housewife, this lady had, you know, put three pieces of leaven, that's not a good thing because as we came off of Passover last week, we know before you even celebrate, you know, the Jewish Passover festival, it was required that the housewife would clear out her house of leaven. You know, they would have to get rid of all the leaven out of their house. You know, they, it, was, it was a very elaborate part of the ceremony. So from a Jewish perspective, from the audience that's hearing Christ tell this parable, they understand that this is not a good thing, that this lady has hid the leaven in there. So from our perspective, we thought, okay, now what does this mean? It basically, 
Leaven is always equated to sin, our flesh, as I said, being puffed up, because we know being puffed up, being in our flesh, is not good. It's totally diametrically opposed to the fruits of the Spirit. We're supposed to be humble, esteem others higher than ourselves. So if we're going to be able, as we studied last week, if we're going to have to be able to die to ourselves, as Christ said, you know, he is the true vine, we are the branches, and apart from him we can do nothing, then that means we have to be free from being puffed up. Just like when you think of puff, you think of puffy, you think of diddy, you think of an egomaniac. You think of somebody who's always, you know, pumping themselves up, always blowing themselves up, and we know supposedly in, you know, the body of Christ, it's not supposed to be about us. But unfortunately, a lot of times when we turn on our TV, on our favorite religious channel, or we go to our favorite church, it's all about whoever is parading around on the stage. They got their face real big, like Scarface, picture, portrait all over the place. I mean, they're blowing themselves up, you know, trumpets and organs and all these things announce they're coming when they come in. I mean, it's totally opposite of how Christ, you know, he really, you know, urged us to be. So when we look at being able to take the next step as we decided to die to ourselves and carry our cross, we have to look to live the unleavened lifestyle. It's a mentality. It's, it's a mindset to where you cannot allow anything. But just like the um, just like this parable says, I mean, a little bit of leaven leavens up the whole lump. And what that means, anything you do that's sin, because leaven is sin, how many of us know if you start to tell a small, quote-unquote, lie, you have to tell other lies to cover for that lie? If you compromise a little bit, you're going to have to compromise other areas in order to, you know, cover up that area. Even when it comes to the deceitfulness of riches, like it says early up in this chapter, Matthew 13, this whole chapter is a series of parables, and if you understand the first parable, the parable of the sower and the seed, it says you'll understand all of them. You'll get a clear picture of what the kingdom is all about. But to, to continue to expound on how a little bit of leaven leavens up the whole lump and how this parable is really uh, clarifying something that's bad that's happening in the kingdom, it's no different than if you become rich. And, you know, you sort of do everything in moderation and have restraint. Well, if you go out here and buy a certain car, three, four hundred thousand dollar car, then with that you're gonna be led or felt to do other things because with that car comes other things you're gonna have to do and have to get. And next thing you know, you're in you like, how did you get here? Or like if you go buy a ten million dollar house, you gotta furnish it, you gotta do all these things and before you know it you're out there. I don't care what sin it is, what whatever whatever the sin it is, we've all been in a place where Next thing you know, we look up and we like, how did we get here? How did we get this far? Because that's that's the whole ploy of the enemy from the beginning. He gets you to, you know, to taste the apple, hold it, bite it, and the next thing you know, you're naked with no clothes on and you're hiding from God. And you're like, how did we get here? And that's the whole point of it's so important, you know, it's paramount that we have to continue to cleanse and purge the leaven out of ourselves because. Even something is an ego, a little ego, a little, a little self-glorification. Next thing you know, you'll be, you know, doing outlandish things, saying outlandish things, and you'll end up like Saul, who was all into himself and vanity. 
So when we look at this particular parable, it basically contradicts what popular culture has told us as far as church, that Christ is saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven before I come back um, is going to be in a, in a degree of chaos because you're going to have leaven being introduced into my kingdom, no different than how this lady introduced the leaven into the lump and she hid it. I mean, think about it. The word, she just, obviously, when somebody hides something, that means they're not supposed to be doing it or they, they're trying to sneak it. I mean, you follow the, the breaking down of how, you know, what Christ is trying to say here, that what was done was intentionally done to try to deceive even the very elect, to try to deceive us who, you know, think it's all good. We go to church every Sunday. We're feeling good. But when you look throughout this chapter, you will see example after example, parable after parable of how Christ is saying in the last days, in the end times, there will be people who will be deceived by the sin, by the leaven, in whatever form it is, and following after that and not carrying their cross, not doing the things they need to do to abide in him, the true vine. And I'm going to pause right there because you sound like you may have some questions. Of course, I always have questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. To everybody who who has been listening to me the last couple of days, <clears throat> I did go to the doctor. I did not have bronchitis, just probably me exercising and going out without my head covered. So that's where the coughing is. But I'm feeling much better. Um, I want to go back to um, the whole concept of leaven. And just and just look at it from a different perspective, if you can just entertain me for a couple of moments. As it relates to just living, just people living, what is a way that I can share with someone a benefit in practical terms how to live an unleavened lifestyle? Because for me, you know, I made my exodus from the hip-hop industry many, many years ago. Um, I gave up the puffy, the sh- literally and figuratively, the puffy, the shiny, the, 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 the egregious shows of wealth, um, to a much simpler lifestyle. But that's a very hard road to walk if that's what you're used to. What are some of the things that we can say, swinging it back to a biblical perspective, that we can share to unchurched people that may want to make their exodus from that world of shiny, glittery, puffy stuff to something that's simpler and something that really embodies what God wants for us? Well, I guess a simple example would be, okay, say, for instance, we both come out of the world of music and entertainment. And as you say, okay, I'm going to focus in on God. You know, I got my prayer time. I got my study time. I'm good. But if the new Dr. Dre comes out, or the Tupac album, his 50th album that he's come, he keeps coming out with. He has his 50th album that comes out. And we get the new album, we get the new Jay-Z, we get the Kanye West, and we listen into it. Inherent in that is going to be some reminders of some things that we're not supposed to be doing or we used to do or things we could do but shouldn't do. And as you introduce that into your spirit, it's going to play on your emotions and your thought process and on your patterns as you go through your life, that little bit of leaven, those messages will and can affect your walk with God. You see what I'm saying? So once you make a commitment, it's, it's no different than someone that's from just simple as a diet perspective. If you say, okay, I'm giving up pork. Well, you know, if you give up pork, then you can't, you know, you don't want to indulge in uh 
your dad's barbecue ribs because next thing you know, you'll be sucking on them all the time and you'll be back in the condition that you were trying to get away from. That's how leaven can be, you know, translated into our daily lives. It's, these, it's, it's those things that keep us from staying on the path that Christ has for our lives, those obstacles that easily beset us. Well, I look at it, you know, I mean, of course I look at it the same way, but, I, you know, I share with people just, I, I didn't even know what unleavened meant. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm reading in the book of Matthew, um, in 1333, where the kingdom of heaven is like the leaven, which a woman took and buried in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in the etymology of words and, and just other meanings of words and, and how you can use words to get a basic understanding. Think of it as leveling out, you know, just leaven, leveling, you know, just um, even, flat. And I think of the bread. Anybody that has half a brain and has been to the grocery store sees in the whole kosher section they've got the unleavened bread or the flat bread, just like you talked about in the top of the show. And I think we have to look for the little synchronicities or the, or the um, parallels in our life in all things. And it's not even a matter of, I think my issue of, of, of trying to live a leavened lifestyle is that I felt I was going to miss out on things. I felt I was really going to um, not be able to enjoy life. I really thought I wasn't, there were so many things I wasn't going to be able to do. And just really, I found so much more joy. And I, and I just think just the whole concept of this Bible study today, just the unleavened lifestyle, I think it is possible. I think it's possible to live it. I'm, I think it's very possible to breathe it. And then even just to circle it back to a spiritual context or a spiritual perspective, it's really what God wants for us. And I do want to make mention, if in fact we should live an unleavened lifestyle or a lifestyle of modesty, then why is it that so many people in the black church particularly are so over the top in everything that they do? And maybe that's well, a rhetorical question. Well, it really goes back to... The parable, I mean, if we go back and look at the parable from Matthew thirteen thirty three, yeah. I mean, in many cases, sometimes a woman that in, that's not true mm-hmm. to her husband mm-hmm. can, be, can be defined biblically as a harlot. And what we've seen mm-hmm. when, you are, when we are true and faithful to Christ as he being our head, he's the husband, we're the, you know, we're the bride of Christ. That's a good relationship. But unfortunately, all throughout the Bible, there's stories of told where his, you know, so-called chosen people or bride or whatever has the possibility or to actually turn from him or do things totally against his will and betray him. You know, it goes back to the very beginning where it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the reason why we, we look and see, see this phenomenon is that people have always wanted man. They wanted human, uh, a humanistic expression of man. They wanted man to be God. If you remember what really fooled uh, Eve and Adam was the fact that, hey, he's like, look, you know, just, just don't settle for being created in the image of God. 
you can be God. Right. You can be you can be God. Eat this apple. So, you know, that's always been the quest. We just don't want to just be submitted to God and, you know, be, you know, thankful we're creating his image. We want to be like God as, you know, the devil, you know, Lucifer, Satan, you know, he said, hey, you know, when he was in heaven, I want to be, you know, like the most high. So as this continues, that's what the leaven is. It's the puffed up spirit. It's the, it's the flesh. It's the ego. It's the wanting to be, you know, as we would say today, all of that. So when we look at the, the church system that we have today, it's predicated on a system that elevates and exalts personality charisma and then labels it as anointing and then, you know, empowers it and validates it by putting it on a pedestal of position. And then the people in the pulpit, you know, they placate to that. So that is the situation we have. So when God, you know, sent his son to die on the cross with the sole purpose of once again trying to unite man back to himself like he did in Moses' day, he said, Moses, tell the people now to cleanse themselves sanctify themselves because I want to speak with them on the mountain, you know, face to face. And the people, when they heard the thunders and the lightnings and the voice of God and the holiness and the glory of God, they was like, no, we ain't ready for that. We still sin too much, and we know if we come into the presence of God, we got to be right. So Moses, you go up on the mountain and talk to God for us because we know we don't have to be right around you because you're not God. So in 2009, we still have the same mentality where people don't want to accept the gift that was given to us at the cross, which is the direct relationship. Because Christ said, I believe in John fifteen sixteen, he is the one, you know, shepherd in the one flock. We are the one flock. He wanted to have a direct relationship with us, you know, without a Levitical priesthood, without um, a whole team of high priests and different people mediating like Moses going in between us. So now there's a reason why you have the, the leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees still existing today, that religiosity, that religious spirit, which is all born out of the ego, the flesh, the man wanting to be exalted, wanting to be more than just a servant, because that's what the, minister, what the word minister means. It's, 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 it means servant. We don't want to just be a servant. We don't want to serve the people. We want the people to look up to us like we're gods, like we're, you know, God's most high, we're his mouthpiece, and, you know, they need to do this and do that. We don't We don't really want to tell the people that we're all equal in the body of Christ, and Christ is the only head and the only shepherd. We don't want to say that. We want to have this hierarchy system which continues to corrupt the kingdom, and that's what that parable is talking about. Um, I just want to say, interject very quickly. Um, I had the chat room open, but I didn't see anybody. And I thought it was odd that I didn't have one person in the chat room. I just said, oh, maybe people are busy, you know, work demands. And just as you were speaking at the tail end of what you're saying, I, something just said, you know, that something is always God. Refresh your browser. So I refreshed the browser, and up popped a whole bunch of people that were chatting away in the chat room the entire time we were facilitating this Bible study. So how beautiful is that? I just wanted to share. Well, that. we need to get some comments on the chat room. <laughs> you know, I just thought people were busy. I, I just, I didn't see anybody. But what I did was I opened the chat room early, you know, because I wanted to make sure I was ready. And 
and here we are, you know, almost through the show. And I said, well, I'm just reading as you're talking. I'm, I'm going through my own concordance on the Internet, matching up leaven and scriptures. And I just said, that's odd. There's not one person in the chat room. And I hit refresh, and up, up pops our guests, and True, and Dropping Seed, and Sandy, and Dreaded One. So, welcome. I, y'all should have known something that I didn't acknowledge anybody by this point in our Bible study. So, anyway, I'm happy that everybody is there. <laughs> I didn't know that. Sorry about that, D. But that's good. People, we, I think that just shows our commitment to uh, our Bible study, whether we have one listener or one million listeners, because I really didn't even know all these people were in the chat room. So I'm, I think that just speaks to our integrity and our credibility, too. But anyway, sorry about that. I want to move on to um, just another. Do you have another scripture as it relates to um, leaven? Available? Well, this... Well, you know, we always like to do what they don't do in church. We want to keep everything in context on this show. So to really solidify what we talked about as far as the example of leaven and how it was a bad thing and how it was corrupting the overall kingdom of God, we have to go to the beginning of the chapter because we're in Matthew 13 and we've read verse 33. But if you want to understand the entire context of what this is about, Read Matthew 13, verse 1. No, not verse 1. Let's go down to verse 3 and keep reading until um, I say stop, until the stop sign come on. All right, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll share why I asked that in a minute. All right, <coughs> chapter 13 um, of the book of Matthew, verse 1, until D says stop. Oh, three. chapter 3. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's verse 3. Still chapter 13. Oh, oh, okay. Chapter 13, verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables and said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And when he had sown, some seed fell on the roadside, and the fowls came and ate it. Other seed fell upon the rock where there was not sufficient soil, and it sprang up earlier because the ground was not deep enough. But when the sun shone, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it dried up. And other seed fell among thistles, and the thistles sprang up and choked it. And other seed fell in good soil and bore fruit, some one hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his All right, okay, all right. Now, that is, I mean, a lot of people have taken verse 8 way out of context and made it yeah. mean materialism and money and, and sowing and reaping and tithing and it's utter foolishness. It's crazy. Please run from those people who teach like that. They're deceiving you. They're hustling you. It's a T.I. grand hustle. Don't, they're totally out of context because clearly when you, I'm not even going to explain it because people will say, oh, DeWan's just making this up. Let's see what Christ actually said, the explanation, because he does explain what the explanation of that parable is. So go down to verse 19. Okay, um, Matthew 13, verse 19. Whoever hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away the word which has been sown into his heart. This is that which was sown by the roadside. 
that which is sown upon the rock, this is he who hears the word and immediately accepts it with joy. But it has no root in him except for a while. And when trouble or persecution, persecution comes because of the word, he immediately stumbles. That which is sown among thistles, this is he who hears the word, but worldly thoughts and the deception caused by riches choke the word, and it becomes fruitless. That which is sown upon good soil, this is he who hears my word and understands it, so he bears fruit and produces some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30. Um, okay. So basically, that as it relates to tithing. Huh? I always hear that that parable as it relates to Yeah, but it has nothing to do with tithing. As, as Christ said, not the one in red, he said the word, the seed was the word of God. It's all about salvation. It's all about souls being saved. He said the word of God, the seed, and the ground are men's hearts, regardless of where they are in their, in their walk with God or not walking with God, where they are in the world. The word goes forth via people talking, preaching, TV, personal relationships. Even it says that creation itself, even if you never heard the word or the Bible or anybody like that, creation itself would have testified to the glory of God and salvation. So as the word goes forth, it is sown on different people, on men's hearts. Now, when he looks, like he said, when it's sown, it's, whether it's going to bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold depends on the condition of the heart when they receive the word of God. And, he, and Christ explicitly explains that, you know, Sometimes people receive the word and, you know, the evil one comes and takes it immediately away. They don't get anything out of it. You can sit there and talk to your blue in the face and their heart condition is not right. They get nothing out of it. Then there's other people who hear the word and they're all happy. They got their tambourine. They run around the church. They backflip. They're foaming at the mouth. They just, well, Pastor Bishop, man the guy, he preached today. And then what does Christ say? He says immediately for every word that you get, and this is a word for somebody who's listening, when you get a word of truth, he says immediately what happens, persecution and tribulation happens. Why? Because of the word. That's in verse 21. When you get a word of God, you're going to be tested on it. You're going to be persecuted on it. Tribulation is going to come. And what he said in verse 21 a lot of people stumble at that. They can't deal with that. They're like, God, how can you going to tell me I'm going to be blessed and I file bankruptcy today? How can you tell me I'm going to be doing well and the doctor just told me I got a malignant tumor on me? So the word is always going to be tested for tribulation and persecution. So a lot that wipes out a lot of people. So now you've gotten, you know, a lot of people wiped out because their condition of your heart from the get-go was not right. Then you have people being wiped out. Because, you know, the word itself was good, but they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't, because it's always, like we said at the onset of the show, you've got to carry your cross. You've got to be able to, you know, crucify yourself to be able to walk with God. You can't walk with him in the flesh because he says apart from him you can do nothing, so you can't do it in yourself. Then it says, you know, where we are today in 2009, it says the, the seed or the word is sown in the thorns, and that is a condition of the heart, a thorny, a thorny heart. And he says, because of the anxiety of this age and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word, and they become unfruitful. And now in verse 23, he says, the only people that actually have a hundredfold, sixty or thirtyfold return are those who hear the word, 
not the money cometh or the or any type of monetary anything. It says those who hear the word and understand it, and then they do bear fruit. As we talked about last week, you have to be pruned, purged, clean in order to bear fruit. Then those people are indeed able to produce fruit, which is the fruit of the spirit in as many different facets in other people's lives and in their own lives, a hundred, some sixty, and thirty-fold. But then if you go down and read verse 24, it ties all of this in with the earlier parable of the leaven. It says, he related another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Is that 25. Okay. 25 and... 26. Okay. And when men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the blade sprang up and bore fruit, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the landowner came and said to him, Our Lord, behold, did you not sow good seed in your field? Whence did the tares come into it? And he said to them, An enemy did this. His servants then said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them out? <clears throat> See, what you've got to understand, Christ in this entire chapter is telling us what the kingdom of heaven is, not what your bishop has told you what it is and what these books have told you. No, he's explicitly told you the paradigm or the condition or the operation of how the kingdom of heaven is. How's it, how is it going to be? So you won't be deceived, discouraged, or discredited. So therefore, he says the kingdom of heaven is just like someone, him, that sold good seed, good word, but then you have the enemy you know, the devil coming in, sowing lies, falsehood, heresies, money come of prosperity gospel, all this foolishness that people come up with. He sows it in. And so now you have a situation where the wheat grows along with the tares. And, and Christ says, you know, let them both grow up, and at the end I'll separate the wheat from the tares. He separates the, uh, the, the goat from the sheep. So therefore it makes sense when you go into verse 33, and read the parable of the woman who hid three pieces of the leaven into the lump. Because that sh what that is is giving you a picture of the end of the age, the age that we're in now, the last day, the condition of the kingdom of heaven, where you're going to have a multitude of perpetrators, a multitude of imposters, a multitude of tares, people who are uh, living a leaven lifestyle and have not crucified themselves, yet they try to say, Lord, Lord, we have done all these things in your name. We are part of your flock. And in the end, he separates those that he actually knows that died to themselves versus those who knew the man that was preaching or those who just knew about the Lord based on what their mama and their grandmama said, but they never actually took up their cross. They never died. They never lived a, a unleavened lifestyle. They never got rid of all the things that keeps us out of fellowship with him. Does this make any sense? Of course it makes a lot of sense. Um, today, just good people, we just have to end the Bible study just a little, just a few minutes early, um, just because of professional obligations on both ends. But I, I, ha I must share something. When you and I were talking about just the whole thing of an unleavened lifestyle, we were really talking about it, I believe, in the context of, just the culture, that music and entertainment <clears throat> piece that that we used to work in. And a very good friend of mine 
is going through a lot of challenges, and I'm working with her in a couple areas, who's never been in music, who's never been in entertainment. And, and I shared with her about today's show. I'm actually going to burn a CD of today's show and give it to her because she doesn't have Internet access at work. She's a teacher. Um, but one thing she's not willing to do, and this is not to put her on the spot, she's not willing to pick up that cross and die to self. And I think even just as we start to wind down today's show, living an unleavened or an unpuffed-up lifestyle has no merit and has no no benefit if you're not even willing to take the first step. And I love my friend dearly, and I'm saying it so because I know she's going to listen to the CD in her car. I love you, but until you are willing to make that change and that initial commitment to what the Lord wants for your life, you're going to continue to have problems in, in, in your life. So I really wanted to get that get that in um, before the end of the show. Dee, can you just give us your final thoughts? Well, I mean, I guess to, to piggyback on what you said is that, as it said in the parable, the final stage before you get to bearing fruit, it said a lot of people are choked out because of the deceitfulness of riches. And riches comes from what we do in life, our careers, the things that we, you know, want to do, what, you know, what what we want to be when we grow up. And uh, uh, how many times in the Bible when you think about Many people with good hearts, well-meaning intentions would come to Christ and be like, oh, I want to follow you. I'll do whatever you want. And he'd be like, give up this, stop doing that, come do this. And they couldn't do it. They would go away devastated because they were not, they want to follow Christ, but they didn't want to give up anything. They didn't want to carry the cross. They didn't want to separate from any of those things that quote-unquote made them, and they went away. They went away despondent. I mean, you can't have it no other way. You can't have yourself and have Christ because he said, he that seeks to save his life will lose it, and he that loses his life shall gain life eternal. So you can't have it both. You can't have your best life now, your life, according to what you want to do, what you've been told on on all the popular media, and still have what God wants you to have and walk according to his will. You can't have them both. And that's the unfortunate tragedy that we see today in our in our church organizational religious entertainment complexes is that they're telling you how you can do everything you see on MTV and have everything they got on MTV Cribs and how you can, you know, go everywhere, be a part of everything, vacation. And there's nothing wrong with vacation. I'm just saying they just whatever you see on TV and people enjoying it, they're just saying you can have that too just like they have it and you can come up in here and we can fellowship and, and walk with God. And it's not necessarily the case. I mean, it, it doesn't work. You can't have you and God like that. It don't work that way. And if people, and unfortunately that's the gospel people preach, but it's not a gospel. It's another gospel. It's an in-place-of gospel. It's an antichrist gospel. So that's, you know, that's my last thoughts. On that, I mean, I guess I, I guess people are mad. They can send me some emails at oh, yeah. dewancsmith at yahoo dot com, and I'll hit delete and I'll, I'll read a couple of them. <laughs> <You're stupid>. <laughs> <laughs> there is some. Um, there is. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> there is some uh, some chatter in the um in the chat room, but uh, it's it's just making comments uh in general, so it's. It's good, but it's just comments in general. Um, I did just put a note in there in the chat room to everybody that we do have to end a few minutes early. 
um, just because of professional obligations on the part of Dewan and I. But I'm sure y'all could get some work done too. Um, D, it, 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 with your permission, and if the Lord doesn't lead us um, another way for next week, I would like to continue the whole this whole discussion on living an unleavened lifestyle because a lot of times we talk at things from a, a really um, a, a biblical perspective, but living an unleavened lifestyle is really uh, 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 relative and important to what's going on in the world right now, how people are having to scale back. And just really quickly, I know we both have to go, but this man, the, 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 the CFO of Freddie Mac, killed himself yesterday. And the lady came on the news and says, but they had everything. And I think if we can show through this Bible study to other people what the beauty of living an unpuffed-up lifestyle really means, we may actually save somebody's life. So with your permission and the leading of the Lord, if he doesn't reveal something else to us, I really would like to continue this next week. Hey, it's your show. I'm just yeah, I'm just a guest. I'm just following you know along. What? You know what? Stop it. Um, everybody, please send me your thoughts in an email because and, and, and invite your friends. I really want to – this, this – this is really a topic that unsaved or unchurched people really need to hear this message. I know we all come together and say, yay, 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 but let's for next week try to share the message of living an unleavened and unpuffed-up lifestyle with as many people as we know because this is something that I believe is very important and timely to really change the lives of people around us, especially in this current economic situation. Dee, um, anything else, buddy? No, that's that's all. As they say, that's all, folks. You're so silly. Uh, hello to D.A. D. A. Williams. I see you just said hello there. I had a few minutes, so I thought I'd stop in and say hello. Thank you. Hi, Road. It's so great to see you. I've missed you terribly, so thank you very much for listening today at work. To True and Dropping Seed and the Dreaded One, thank you very much to Sandy. Um, also, we had some people dial in and listen. I had somebody from a 410 area code. I think that's the Baltimore area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and also Celeste listening in through her cell phone. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow you know it's music all show. Remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Everybody, I love you. May God bless us and keep us, and may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts always be acceptable in his sight. I'll see everybody right here tomorrow. I love you guys, and have a great Thursday. Peace.